You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Earlier this afternoon, I met with Tim Miles to inform him that he was being relieved of his duties as the head basketball coach for our men's program. Uh, The meeting was extremely cordial, relatively short. I uh, talked and and, uh, praised him for many things that he did. I love his passion, his energy, his charisma, his integrity. But in the end, uh, I didn't feel that we were competing the way that I want our programs to compete in the Big Ten Conference. Well, I'm just going to make one quick comment, which is, you know, I've said what I said in my, in my tweet. I thought about that for a long time, and I do love this place, and you know, for great success. But now's the time for the future. You know, I'm the past. Uh, we work hard to elevate this brand in Nebraska basketball. I'm proud of what we've done, and I look forward to, you know, future success, and, and I'm going to hire a great guy. But I'm going to get in that car, and welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we start off with the big news this week, as Bill Moose fired Tim Miles Tuesday afternoon. He's now the, the fourth coaching move that Tim Miles or that, that Bill Moose has made since he's been at Nebraska. Obviously, Mike Riley, he's made changes in both. Uh, the men's golf program, men's tennis program, and now men's basketball. So four coaching changes, Robin, on the men's side. And I think the message is pretty clear. Bill Moose expects Nebraska to compete at a higher level, especially within the Big Ten Conference. And he brought that up a lot over over the course of his press conference that his number one thing that he looks at is where we're at in the conference. And he doesn't he, he expects Nebraska to be upper half of the league more often than not really in every sport. Yeah, and you know, obviously, he said that there was a lot of good that came um, over the, the the Tim Miles era, and particularly the two year window that he was in Lincoln to evaluate uh, with his own two eyes. Uh, it just wasn't good enough. Um, you know, obviously, they fell short despite a uh, one of the best regular seasons they've had in a long, long time uh, last year, and then this year I, we started off so well and completely collapsed and. Um, you know, really, the end, the end result is, you know, are you competing um, within your conference? Are you getting to the NCAA tournament and competing to be a tournament team more often than not? And right now, the answer is no. I mean, outside of basically two, uh, I guess, ex- exceptional seasons, uh, it's been a, a lot of disappointment with Tim Miles. You know, the, the inconsistency, I think, has kind of defined his era. And, you know, that that's just not where Bill Moose wants Nebraska men's basketball to be, especially given uh, the investment financially, uh, the investment made by the fan base uh, to this program. And so if you're going to sit there and do all this talk about, um, you know, where you want your program to be, uh, at some point you need to start holding people accountable and set the bar um, to where, you know, it, it needs to be met. And if it's not met, then, you know, you need to take action. And so, uh, you know, Bill Moose has been, you know, to his credit, he's been very forthcoming and transparent about this whole situation and, you know, laid it all out there. Uh, and, you know, Tim Miles obviously didn't meet those goals and, um, you know, the consequences, you know, were according. And if you're Tim Miles, Robin, I mean, it's almost been like he's been preparing for this. It's almost like a doctor telling mm-hmm. you you only have so much longer to go. And it, it's like he's kind of gotten himself ready for it. Um, it wasn't like he was blindsided. Um, you know, when Sean Eichhorst fired Bo Pelini, I, I, I know that that wasn't a cordial firing meeting. 
Um, in fact, I don't think Bo was expecting to get fired on that Sunday. He thought it was going to be kind of a meeting about let's how, let's make this thing work. You know, we just went nine and three, and then Icors fired him, and it got pretty ugly. This to me sounded like a very cordial, as Bill Moose said, brief meeting. But then just the way Tim Miles exited. I mean, I said this this morning on another radio show. He's going to be a guy that will always be welcomed back here at Nebraska. And mm-hmm. it's funny. You look at all the basketball coaches that have left or been fired. Barry Collier, Doc Sadler, Danny Nee, and now Tim Miles. All four of those guys really are welcomed back at Nebraska. They left kind of here, at least on classy terms, it would be the way to put it, uh, the way they, they left the program. Yeah, I don't know about Barry. He <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of a, a pretty ugly. Well, he's idea. been back, and you know, he, he's at least yeah, been recognized. To, to lukewarm response. Yeah, there's, his, some, there's some people that think that he did as much damage to Nebraska basketball as anyone um, with the way that he kind of just left uh, to go back to Butler in August and had Nebraska scrambling for a coach right before the start of the season. Uh, that that caused a lot of setback there. So there's some people that I guess are willing to forgive, but. A lot of people haven't forgotten with that one, but definitely with Doc, you know, it was one of those deals where he was, they're both him and uh, Tim, extremely likable guys, were great representatives of the program, you know, did things the right way, you know, never got the program in trouble and, you know, their kids graduated and all that stuff. Uh, but the end result is, uh, you know, Nebraska basketball is needs to be bigger than what it has been. And, you know, Tim Miles, when he was hired, was the perfect guy for that situation. I mean, think about what it was when he took over. It was in the crummy Devaney Center, you know, getting four or 5,000 people at a home game. Uh, you know, just really no excitement or energy around the program. Well, you get this guy in here who comes in, he's tweeting at halftime you got national media people talking about him he's stealing the show at big 10 media days and basically uh, kind of gave life to nebraska basketball and uh then in year two all of a sudden they make this magical run to the NCAA tournament and the whole idea of what this program is and could be changed the thing is i think that it got too big for him you know i mean he's a coach that obviously has never won at the high major level and at least consistently and when you know the expectations shot out of the gates with that run in year two uh he was never able to replicate that and you know that's i think where he maybe have plateaued and kind of reached his ceiling about where he could take this program and so uh the the work he did over seven years to take nebraska ball from what it was when he took over in 2012 to what it is right now uh it is night and day difference it is not the same program it is in significantly better shape and whoever the next coach is presumably fred hoiberg is going to be on significantly better footing than any of his predecessors well and there's no question the talent level in the program this year was better than it's been in 20 years mm-hmm. i mean nebraska from a pure roster standpoint they had the dudes uh, they just didn't have the depth a, the depth and the key supporting role guys that you needed down the stretch um, but, you know, it was fun down the stretch to see some of these other storylines like Johnny Trueblood mm-hmm. and Tanner Borkhard and even Thor uh, being Arsish to come in and, and do what he did. Um, you know, it was just promising to show what those guys could give at the end. But, yeah, just he just was a little bit short on a couple of key areas. And, and that's if you're Bill Moose, you know, there's never been a better time at Nebraska mm-hmm. to make this change. You pay Scott Frost now $5 million dollars. Your revenue situation has never been better. You can go out and get somebody where when Tim Miles came in seven years ago, that wasn't necessarily the case. No, no. Like I said, I mean, the the program is a completely different animal. And if it weren't for Tim Miles, I don't know if Fred Hoiberg even looks twice at this job uh, or any coach of that caliber. So it's – 
you know, I mean, I guess you still have to continue to credit Tim for, for what he was able to do to, to change the dynamic of this thing. But uh, to, for Bill Moose, I mean, talk about just being in the right place at the right time. I mean, the stars aligned so perfectly to get Scott Frost here. And now, as it seems, the stars are doing it once again to get Fred Hoiberg here. And if in his short time here already, he's able to bring Scott Frost home and then get the mayor of Ames to come to Lincoln, Nebraska. Basically steal Iowa's Scott Frost. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the, those are about as the home run of hires as any athletic director could possibly get at this place. And so um, he's having a heck of a run and you got to tip your cap. I know Bill's you know, undergone a lot of criticism, a lot of second guessing. For you know, what reason though? It's like, it's, I don't know. I mean, it, it's like, well, I, I respect him that he Because on the surface, it, you know, there's things that, you know, doesn't look good uh, just, just with the optics. But when you actually see uh, when the full plan and timeline is uncovered, it, it all makes sense. And so, uh, you know, obviously it remains to be seen. They still haven't, as of the taping of the show, haven't hired Fred Hoiberg. But if that happens, I mean, you got to give all the credit in the world to, to Bill and the work that he's a been able to do to really take Nebraska men's athletics to new heights and get legitimate championship caliber coaches in place. I respect him, though, in the sense that he doesn't cave into the mob. No. And, and that, you know... Just because some talk radio show hosts are saying this or sports columnists, he doesn't care. He's been doing this a lot longer than those guys have. How many coaching changes have sports talk radio hosts and columnists made? He knows what he's doing, and and I respect him that he doesn't let the mob impact how he operates as a leader, which in today's world, that's not easy to do because yeah. the mob, which is social media, talk radio, everything, message boards, it really controls how leaders think in these times well i think that's part of you know one of the qualities of him being just kind of an old school guy is works to his benefit I mean, he's not on twitter he doesn't care doesn't watch or listen to talk radio he doesn't do any of that stuff he's just gonna go do his job and not worry about what other people are saying and so you know that's obviously you know had some issues with it but i think in the grand scheme of things to handle all that comes with working in this position with Nebraska athletics and the drama and the bubble that come with it, uh, that's about the, the exact mindset you have to have to be able to keep your head above water. All right, you mentioned Fred Hoiberg. When we come back, Robin, we're going to talk about Fred Hoiberg and maybe who are the other guys on that list. Uh, Bill Moose said he's got a list of three. Uh, we'll discuss that list next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I've talked to Fred just to gauge his interest. Uh, Fred, as you know, is not currently coaching, so there's uh, I, I, didn't, I typically don't want to interfere with a coach. I think Scott Frost would be an example. We can be competitive. Uh, we, we have a program, as you know, that is solvent. Uh, we have the ability to pay going rates for top coaches, and I think we've uh, already shown that in some of the uh, hires that have already been made. And welcome back here to the Husker Alliance show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washit on the special edition of the basketball coaching change for Nebraska as Tim Miles fired Tuesday. You heard Bill Moose there. Um, confirm, you know, he has made contact with Fred Hoiberg. And this is a, that's another thing, Robin, I respect about Bill Moose. Um, he doesn't insult people's intelligence. He's not going to be like, I don't discuss who I've spoken to, you know. And, I mean, like some ADs are just real sticklers about that. And it's like it's so obvious, you know, with Scott Frost, he's the same thing. I remember he was on a radio show in Omaha, and 
Because absolutely, if I were to make a coaching change, Scott Frost would be on the top of my short list. I mean, he doesn't try to insult fan intelligence. He gets right down to it and said, why wouldn't I have contacted Fred Hoiberg? Who wouldn't? I mean, this is a guy that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and, you know, again, that goes back to him being transparent throughout this whole process, which uh, is refreshing in a lot of different ways. And so, uh, you know, he basically just admitted what everybody already knew. I mean, this the Hoiberg rumors have been going on for months now. Uh, even some people saying that it was going to, you know, potentially going to happen a year ago. Uh, and so I mean, this is something that, you know, if you just sit there and try to deny it, uh, you look kind of foolish. And so he came out straightforward and said, yeah, I've contacted him. He did say that despite some rumors, uh, Fred has not met him in Lincoln. Uh, and I wonder about that one. Yeah, uh, that, that's contrary to things that, that we've heard. But um, either way, it's clearly that, that you know, the discussion between Nebraska and Hoiberg uh, is pretty far along in the process. And, and I think it's just a matter of time. I mean, there's just too much smoke for there not to be fire here. Um, and I think it's just a matter of, you know, I think that the theory is they're waiting until Michigan State, where Fred's son uh, is a walk-on there, is finally done with their season so he can continue to attend their March Madness games and, you know, kind of do this well, thing on, on his timeline. And that kind of goes uh, explains why Nebraska didn't seem to be in much of a rush during this whole Tim Miles situation. I mean, they were going to let the season finish out naturally and, you know, let them go as far as they wanted to go, make a change at the proper time. And despite everybody wanting, you know, news and answers right away, you know, Nebraska just kind of took its time, did it properly. And now Miles is fired. And uh, it seems like Fred Hoiberg is just a matter of time within the next two weeks of being named the next head coach. Well, it's my understanding. I think the Journal Star, Parker Gabriel told me this, that, Fred's down in like the Dominican or the Caymans. He's he's in one of the tropical islands on a vacation. Mm -hmm. He's going to be at the Michigan State games this weekend. And you know, initially when he goes seven to fourteen days, like I mean, the over it could be seven or it could be fourteen. The overreaction guy on the message boards, like, oh my gosh, we don't have Hoiberg. You know, I mean, you get this like panic oh, yeah. mode. But honestly, Robin, if, if, if this times out right, you announce it. Wednesday, right. Thursday, Friday. 14 days is right before the Final Four. Right before the Final Four. No coincidence. And so you do it then. And guess what? Guess who coached and worked with the Minneapolis or Minnesota Timberwolves? Mm -hmm. Fred Hoiberg. And the Final Four also happens to be the biggest college basketball coaching job convention of the year. So, yeah, you time this out to be Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of the Final Four mm -hmm. week. Probably Wednesday, Thursday. Of so you have Fred as your brand new head coach at Nebraska. In about nine days. Rubbing elbows, mingling at the Final Four at all the, the, the local hotel bars and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, you're making some pretty good headway in assembling your coaching staff. So, yeah, the, the timing when you think about it. Uh, kind of all makes sense. And uh, again, I know there was a lot of panic going on, you know, as they continued to, to let Tim Miles and, and his situation draw out. I think the plan was in place all along. Panic you know? by people that don't get it, though. Yeah. I mean, Bill yeah. Moose understands this. Like, there's no rush to get this hire made. Yeah. Like, I mean, you have till the final four. And if this plan plays out, I mean, it's going to show exactly why Bill Moose kind of handled the things the way he did. Yeah, and I guess the one criticism you can make is apparently T Tim was kind of just left in the dark about all this without any official confirmation about whether he was going to have a job or not. And so, I mean, that caused some some stress, I know, and for not only Tim, but his coaching staff and their families. And so that human element, you know, I, I guess I understand some of the criticism there. But when you look at it strictly from a job standpoint, uh, I mean – you, it's really hard to complain about the way Nebraska did this. We need to look into this more, but you, know, you talk about coaching changes in Nebraska. I don't know if there's been an AD really that's ever made as many as we've seen 
miles make or, or moose has made. I mean, to make four in a year. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's hey. and and you've got some other programs on the women's side, like softball, soccer. I'm sure you know that have had a up and down type seasons. Yeah. I mean, you got to be consistent with it. You can't just have expectations for football, men's basketball, and let everything just kind of do their thing. I mean, if you want Nebraska athletics as a whole to take that next step up and be a you know, legitimate Big Ten, you know, athletic department, uh, you got to hold people accountable. And Bill Moose has done that. And like I said, I, I don't think that the, the bell will stop ringing here for a while, especially with some of these other teams that are struggling a little bit. No, I, did, I did get a good kick out of the list. <laughs> like, like <laughs> yeah. I love how somebody asked Bill Moose they go, you know, like you pull that list out and he goes, well, there's only three names on it. And like, I, I give me a little credit here. I, I can remember the three names I have on the list. I don't need to pull it out yeah. and like look at the list. I, I just like the mental image of, all right, now who are those names again? He pulls out the drawer. <laughs> That's my oh, drawer, yeah, by the way. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, yeah. I forgot about number three. Okay. Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Who, who's number two again? Wait a minute. Hold on. Oh, wait, well, Altman, um, Samson. I mean, well, so, that, that was another interesting thing that apparently Bill said he did not reach out to Dana Altman. And I know that was heavily speculated, especially after Dana got that massive contract extension. Uh, coincidentally, right when Nebraska was rumored to be showing interest in him. Uh, so, Well, know. maybe he knows enough people at Oregon, like a phone call to somebody else, that they're right. like, don't even waste your time, Bill. That's the way you can word it. I never talked to Damon. Or, uh, Dana? Dana. Dana. <laughs> I never talked to Dana uh, about the job. I may have talked to a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy, but I never talked to well, him. And- you know, I know Dana's brother, Dirk, really well. I mean, I see him around in Nebraska basketball games, and he's always giving me the impression. I mean, Dana's a loyal guy. He, mm-hmm. He's – I mean, the timing – there was a time when Nebraska could have had Dana Altman mm-hmm. a couple of times, mm-hmm. and they chose not to. They, they held their Barry Collier, They right? held their nose up high and didn't think he was yeah. good enough, and they, they could have had him, and he'd probably still be here. But it just didn't work out. And An old Steve Peterson. And now, you know, it's Dana's one of the top, top ten coaches in college basketball yeah, right he's now. He's got Oregon rolling, man. So, who would be your other? I mean, would Calvin Sampson be on that list? Yeah, it sounds like he's uh, Arkansas frontrunner for Arkansas, maybe Alabama. Um, you know, after that that next drop, you know, Bad that, Mata, that, Tyron Lou. Yeah, you know, Mata. I guess we'll wait and see. About Musselman. That. I don't know if there was ever anything to that. Yeah, and you know, I mean, they're big names that you know have been thrown around there. I just don't know how realistic they are. But again, when you're throwing around the kind of money that Nebraska's apparently ready to throw out uh, you can get in on some of those coaches and so I know that yeah Musselman was one uh, Wojciechowski at Marquette was one uh, but I, I think that you're probably at more realistic candidates kind of taking a step down a pretty big step down from those types of names uh, just because you know Nebraska is a very difficult job and you need the right person that has the right draws to come here it's not just about the money what it's, about Dawkins at UCF I, I don't think that I think Vanderbilt is probably going to get him he's a great coach and it, how, just imagine how triggered Central Florida fans would be if they took two coaches <laughs> from a, two of their best coaches they've had in program history and stole them to Nebraska and then if like Bill Moose retires someday and then Danny White comes up oh. here too just like the whole operation comes up to Nebraska god that'd be meltdown city down there in Orlando well, yeah, it will be interesting to see like all those Coach K guys. You mentioned Dawkins and Wojciechowski, and you got Collins, and mm-hmm. you've got Capel at Pittsburgh. I mean, I, I'm always curious who will be the front runner. Um, will it be like a Terry Pettit, John Cook thing where they announce this will be my coach in waiting? He's going to come on the staff for this last year. I mean, I, I, I think it'll be Wojciechowski. Wojciechowski. I mean, he seems like that's my guess because Collins has tailed off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Capel has had so many opportunities. He's yeah. 
Oh, he is what he is. Yeah, yeah, he's getting a little long in the tooth, too. I mean, if you want to do it, you want to establish your next Coach K where he's there for decades. And what would you fit that mold to a team? Hired other Polish guy, right, Rob? Exactly. Hey, <laughs> get as many in there as possible. All right, we are going to talk some spring football when we come back. Huskers back on the field. It's hard to believe we're just about two weeks away now from the red-white spring game. We'll give some thoughts on spring practice next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Guys that I want in this program are guys that love to compete. We didn't have enough of that when when our staff got here. Uh, We had competition today. It was offense versus defense. It was our second time doing it. Every play mattered. Every rep mattered. Uh, We were keeping score. Whether it's fair or not, whether a lot of people like it or not, there's a scoreboard in life, in football, in everything. We shouldn't run from that. We should embrace that. And I want guys that are are at their best when the chips are down and we need to compete. It was really close today, uh, right at the end, the defense picked it up and competed better than the offense and the defense won the day. But I see more guys that are the type of guys we want that are, that are ready to compete no matter what and excited for those opportunities and, and they want to make the play when it matters. And welcome back here to the Husker Alliance Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, now Nate Klaus joining us. And it's rare we spend the first two segments of the show talking basketball and put football on the back burner, but that's what's going on this week um, as uh, we've just spent the last two segments talking to you about the new uh, the basketball news here with Tim Miles and, and Bill Moose, et cetera, and the Fred Hoiberg speculation. But now I wanted to shift over back to spring practice, Nebraska, uh, over halfway done. I mean, it, it, it's nuts. I mean, guys, w- what happened? I mean, I, I felt like spring ball just started, and, and here we are, red-white game in about two weeks. Well, it seems like it's been the easiest spring I can remember. For one, there's just not a lot of, like, high-drama storylines. Like, there's no quarterback controversy for, like, the first time in five years. Uh, and, you know, there's really, you know, I mean, outside of a, a couple, you know, minor storylines, nothing – um, really beyond the X's and O's stuff that is all that intriguing, which which is a good thing. <laughs> that means there's not a lot of outside distractions taking the focus away from this team uh, on the task at hand. And um, you know, obviously the access is a little bit slimmer than what it used to be. You know, we usually only get like two days a week uh, for interviews. Uh, so, I mean, just, you know, it's been a bit, a bit less of a grind for, for guys like us. And uh, I'm sure for the team, uh, this is about as perfect of an opportunity to really zero in um, on what you want to accomplish this spring and not have it really any uh, distractions both inside your team and outside uh, impacting that. Yeah, the crazy thing about it is as drama-free, I guess, as, as it's been, I, I feel like it hasn't really crawled by. It's been going fairly fast and um, you know, time and, and maybe the basketball news kind of broke things up. I, I don't know, but I just feel like uh, I feel like we just started and now all of a sudden the spring game's right around the corner. So um yeah but that's a good problem to have i'd much rather have it moving fast than uh crawling by you're listening here to the husker online show sean callahan robin washett nate klaus is talking some spring practice and you know you you look at it and uh, adrian martinez i mean i I thought it was interesting of all the things we heard wednesday darian daniels oklahoma state transfer um first of all sounds like he's going to become one of the the top media guys to go everybody after he talked to the media said this is a guy that will be up at the press conferences every week um as a spokesman he's been an impact guy in his little time but he compared adrian martinez to patrick mahomes he went there i mean it's like whoa um and i i thought that was 
really interesting to hear a guy that played against Patrick Mahomes when he was at Texas Tech, who's now the MVP of the NFL, um, and compared Nebraska's quarterback to a young Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I would take that for what it's worth. Um, obviously, he was asked to kind of on the spot to just name a quarterback he played against. And, uh, you know, I guess maybe just with some athletic similarities, you know, there are. But keep in mind, it, it's Patrick Mahomes who's revolutionizing the NFL and Adrian Martinez, who's coming off an impressive freshman year of college. So, yeah, take it for granted. But I think what his point was, some of the plays uh, Adrian's able to make, especially when things break down in the pocket and he has to improvise and, you know, roll out and, and try and create something on the run, there's similarities there with what he's able to do with the football and the windows he's able to find um, that a guy like Patrick Mahomes can. So maybe not from an arm strength standpoint or just pure talent standpoint, but just kind of in the intangible playmaking ability that uh, Adrian has you know, certainly shown last year and seems to be building upon more and more each day. Yeah, to be clear, he did not say Adrian is Patrick Mahomes. But when he said, you know, to who does he compare to he's, that you that he played against in the Big 12, he said, well, Adrian can move. He can run pretty well. He's got a strong arm. And so he said, yeah, probably Patrick Mahomes, simply because when things break down, when the pocket breaks down, both those guys have the ability to extend the play, but yet still deliver the football down the field. They're not uh, going to always pull the ball and, and take off running. They always seem to have their eyes downfield and can make a throw and adjust to, to deliver the football regardless of the situation. Another interesting thing this week, I thought, guys, uh, we knew the leadership was going to improve with Scott Frost. This was the culture of the program. But you know, the players were on spring break. They got back this week and – you know, t typically in our experience, guys, of covering Nebraska spring practice when they break it over spring break, the first day back's a disaster. I mean, it's just who went to Padre, who went to Cancun, and how much bad food and other things did you do? And we got to kind of shake it off this first Monday. But the team came back to work Monday pretty dialed in, and then we learned that they had a, a captain's practice on Sunday where the players got a script from the coaches and um, ran their own practice on their own. Um, I mean, those things really jump out to me when I look at kind of just the culture that's being built right now. Yeah, it's a small thing in kind of the grand scheme of uh, this whole process, but you know, it's, it's a pretty significant point uh, when you compare something like that happening uh, to where this team was uh, before Frost and, and his staff showed up. Um, that's a lot of growth and a lot of maturity uh, that's developed in a short amount of time. And, uh, you know, Damian Jackson might not see the field all that much, but that dude is as important to this team in terms of shaping that culture as there is in that locker room. Obviously, I mean, he's a sophomore, but what is he, 25? He's got to be yeah. pushing 25. Yeah, he's, he's you know mid-20s, and obviously a Navy SEAL. I mean, that, that dude knows a thing or two about building a team and establishing leadership. And so, you know, before they even left for break, uh, he sent out a mass text to the entire team saying, hey, guess what? We were 4-8 and eight last year. We don't deserve the luxury of taking a whole week off and basking in the sun and, you know, chugging beers and doing all that stuff. You know, we need to get back to work. So plan on shortening your vacation about halfway through the week and come back to Lincoln ready to work. And on Sunday, we're going to have a workout. And, uh, you know, other you know, senior captains and veteran captains, leaders uh, helped organize it. So they, they basically had a, a team-wide lifting session where they all met in the weight room and got a lift in. And then they broke up by positions to where the D-line was doing work, uh, the skill guys were doing seven-on-sevens, uh, and you know, kind of just did 
did their own thing. And yeah, there was kind of a script that the coaches gave them, but Eric Janander said that, you know, you guys don't need a script. You know what you're doing. And they did it. And so when they came back Monday, it was, they were ready to go. They hit the ground running as well on a Monday practice after spring break as Frost and Janander and any of those coaches had seen in a long, long time. And it's a real testament to just how far this team has come when you know, they couldn't even clean up after themselves uh, on the airplane and uh, were just sloppy and really uninspired to doing things like that where they are motivating themselves. And that's something Scott Frost has harped on time and time again, that when you have player-driven leadership, that is the biggest step you can take in building a program. Well, I feel like over the past few years, or at least under Riley and, and maybe even towards the end of Polini's career, it was everyone just kind of did – the bare minimum you know they did just as much as what was required of them they no one really seemed to go above and beyond you know uh, outside of maybe a few guys staying after practice to catch you know catch a a, another dozen footballs or whatever off the jugs machine but I mean for this to happen I I don't recall a time where in in the last maybe 10 years or more where there was this type of thing that that occurred where um you know guys came back early from a spring break to to hold a practice quite like this and um and kind of knock the rust off on sunday so that they could hit the ground running on a monday for the practice that really counted and so um you know and i think that just speaks volumes on on the culture we always you know that's kind of the buzzword you know one of the buzzwords is culture and um, and that to me, that tells you exactly uh, where that culture's at and, and what's really been developed here in a short amount of time. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift over to the mailbag Husker online intern. Um, Allie Snow is in studio. She'll join us next. We'll take your questions in the mailbag. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, let me tell you, that, that'll be attractive. And people know about it. Coaches know about our our fan base, and it's incredible. We've talked about it, you know, in other conversations. But uh, a coach, just like a player, will feed off that energy in a building like that. And it, there's no finer college venue, in my opinion, than PBA. I mean, I rank it right up there with with everyone's and where it's located, and you know, the population base in Nebraska being within basically an hour's drive. All these things are not the norm. I sat in a lot of gyms, major college basketball, with 2,000 people in it, and I think I knew all of them. <laughs> so uh, this is pretty special, and it and it and, and it will attract. It'll be one of the attractions. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. That was Athletic Director Bill Moose talking about just how the attendance and, and, and that will impact this Nebraska job as the Huskers have ranked anywhere from 10th to 11th nationally in attendance despite um, you know the, the, they're not really being an NCAA tournament team. And uh, it's one of the real things that makes this job unique, how much interest there is. But now it's time for the mailbag. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, please bring in Ali Snow as we take your questions here in the mailbag. What do you have to start out with? Hey guys, so there's a lot of basketball questions this week, but the first one, who are the front runners for the head basketball coaching position and when can we expect a hire to be announced? Well, I would say <laughs> the list uh, starts with Fred Hoiberg and it ends with Freud, Fred Hoiberg. Uh, I think it's a matter of time before that is officially announced and probably coincides with uh, what his son's Michigan State team does in the NCAA tournament. But 
Um, I mean, I think you're guaranteed to have an announcement made before the final four um, because Nebraska needs to have a head coach in place uh, for what is basically the biggest college basketball coaching job fair of the year uh, to go to Minneapolis and rub elbows and, uh, you know, really promote and market the new era of Nebraska basketball. So um, that is the time frame, I would say. I would say two weeks at the very latest. And uh, if Michigan State, you know, were to go down earlier than that, then that might speed up the process. Allie just basically put up a big beach ball to you and said, hit it. I mean, you teed it, teed <laughs> yeah. it up there. I'm not even going to, like, bother talking about other candidates because it's so clear right now that the plan has been in place and is in place that it's just kind of a waste of When breath. will a national guy just call it a done deal officially? I mean, I could it be by Monday? Could it be by Sunday? I mean, that, that's what I'm more curious because you know some national reporter – is going to break this first. That's how it rolls. I mean, mm-hmm. in most situations, I mean, the Scott Frost thing played out that way. Brett McMurphy, um, I think, on ESPN now with the stadium. Actually, not even – he broke it w- w- without yeah, ESPN. By himself. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 on Facebook. The uh, ESPN analyst doing the game goes, and our own Brett McMurphy. And he, Whoops. He goes, am I still getting paid by you guys? Yeah, no kidding. All right, what do you have next? All right, so with the firing of Coach Miles, how many years before we can even hope to win an NCAA tournament game for the first time? Well, if you ask Bill Moose, it can happen very, very quickly. Uh, He said that he's seen teams make major jumps within one or two years. Uh, Because of basketball, you're not dealing with, you know, 100-plus players. You're dealing with, you know, 15 at most, 13 scholarship players. Uh, And so, you know, all it takes is a couple of the right dudes. I mean, the perfect example is what Kansas State was before Bob Huggins got there. They were terrible. And all of a sudden, you know, by one way or another, they were able to get Michael Beasley and um, can't remember the other dude that was on the team there. And they became a deep Poland, run. Jacob Poland. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So the anyway, they, they had a run and uh, they got really good really quickly. And so um, I don't know if Nebraska will take the same recruiting measures as Kansas State did, but uh, it can happen fast, especially with the guy with the clout of Fred Hoiberg. I mean, that name carries a lot of weight. Uh, for one, what he did at Iowa State, but those NBA connections. I mean, he's proven not only can he develop players to get to the NBA, he's coached at the NBA. And so, I mean, he, he knows how to get players to that ultimate goal of getting to the next level. And that is as big of a recruiting pitch as you can have right now, especially when it comes to elite-level prospects. And so all the other stuff Nebraska has, um, really the only thing that they don't have right now is the tradition. And with head Fred Hoiberg in place, um, that might be an easier uh, thing to sell past than ever before this will be the first time nebraska's really been able to go out and get a coach of this pedigree i mean typically you know they're not shopping at nordstrom's they're going to yonkers or the lower brand stores they're shopping the sale rack the sale rack they're not trying to i mean they're not able to go into the nice area of the store strictly bargain bin yeah Shopping, yep. yeah. I mean, we've had a lot of TJ Maxx and a lot of Marshalls and a it's, lot of Coles. I mean, this, that, now they're in the they're in the big store now. It's the, they're, it's the the frost effect. You know, all of a sudden you got a football coach making five a year. You can start paying for a year. No, no qualms about it. You like that shopping reference, don't you, Allie? Yeah, I like. That. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're taking we're taking your message or your message. Taking your questions in the mailbag. What do you have next? All right. So, where do you see Tim Miles headed in the future? Will he continue to coach, or do you think he'll take some time off? Yeah, I would imagine he'll have plenty of coaching opportunities. It's a matter of how quickly does he want to get back in the game. I mean, obviously this this took a personal toll on him. You know, I think that he kind of felt like he let himself down and let his family down and let his team 
team down and a bunch of people by not taking Nebraska to where he wanted to take them. And so, you know, a lot of coaches just take a year off to kind of regroup, refresh, get that fire back inside them. And so uh, if he doesn't take a job right away, and I know there's already been a bunch of rumors, you know, Washington State apparently is showing a lot of interest. Uh, South Dakota State could certainly be an opportunity to go back to his home state. Uh, but he'll also have plenty of options uh, in media. I mean, if he wanted to go be a, a studio host for ESPNU or something like that, uh, people are going to be begging to bring him on because, as we've seen, uh, that dude knows how to work a microphone. So uh, don't worry about him. He'll be just fine. He has plenty of options. Uh, and so I, I think eventually he will be back coaching. I mean, coaches coach. Uh, until the day they can't coach anymore, and he's still got a lot of years left. On Can him. you confirm or deny the reports he signed an endorsement deal with Coors Light? <laughs> yeah, if anybody should get like a free swag pack like you got for that one tweet, should be Tim Miles. I, I, I bet you he got. Well, it's a matter of could they he get better. a whole like they Coors Light contact. For the record, I got some free Coors Light sent because I made one or two tweets about Coors Light, and they sent me four cases of beer, t-shirts, socks. I did that but, as a joke with like natural light. And like, did not get anything back. I don't and even some, like natural light. Somebody from like a marketing <laughs> firm in Denver um, just said, "Can we have your mailing address? We'd like yep. to send you something." So, could that person have found him? That would be the hard thing. Like, oh, I'm sure they could find him because a bunch of people retweeting that nationally. So, uh, if, yeah, if, that could be a fallback. He could be the new spokesman for Coors Light. All right, we got time for about two more. What do you have, Allie? All right, so we're gonna switch over to some spring football. What has stood out to each of you personally so far during spring football practice? Who should we be watching? I mean, just the drama-free, business-as-usual approach, that's the number one takeaway for me. I mean, it's been a boring spring, and that's exactly how Scott Frost wants it. He doesn't want a bunch of hoopla and drama. Um, I mean, last year was unique because it was the first year he was back. Uh, But just having Adrian Martinez and him being established – it, the whole entire offense just looks different how they can operate with that. And then I think defensively, the defensive line, I really think is going to be a surprise unit on this football team. Yeah, uh, with that, Darian Daniels uh, has really emerged as uh, a focal point in this defense. I mean, not only from what he can bring with his massive size in the middle of that defensive line, but he is already uh, a core leader in that locker room. And uh, very few people have the ability to just show up on campus and take on that type of respect from their teammates. So uh, that is probably one of the more intriguing storylines. But uh, as far as just kind of questions remaining to be answered, I still think that interior offensive line is as big of a situation that needs to develop because uh, right now it just seems like there hasn't been a lot of movement. I mean, obviously we know Bo Wilson is going to be one of those guards, but you have another guard spot and a center spot that are, are wide open. And, you know, every, depending on who you ask on what day, you're going to get a different answer of who's been standing out. And uh, as we know, uh, for that offense to function at the level it needs to function, uh, that starts with that offensive line, and uh, especially in the middle with the center position. Well, I think who's stood out to me, you had to go at least mention Adrian Martinez. Um, yeah. He gets because, overlooked so yeah, many times because he's so good. Yeah, well, and everyone we know what you know what they have. There's no question marks there. But he is so good um, that multiple players so far this spring have talked about how he has basically forced other people to raise their game to to a higher level than they thought possible because that's what he's been doing. Uh, and every day he brings it. And when the quarterback of your team is operating at such a high level. Um, it, it forces you to get better. And so I think that's kind of maybe something that's been a little overlooked here. All right, we got time for one more. What do you have? All right, the last movie you saw in theaters. 
who Mary Poppins um, with the family. You know, that, that's I have not seen a dude movie in a theater. I can't tell you the last time um, I somehow tricked my wife to go. Is it Wolf of Wall Street? Yeah. Um, the well, one well with. Done. Yeah. And <laughs> she likes um, DiCaprio. DiCaprio. And <laughs> there are people that like walked out of the theater. Like, I mean. It's pretty offensive movie um, as yeah, far. Yeah, I mean, if you don't like four letter words you're yeah. gonna or male like body that. parts or oh, yeah. other things it's that got a target demographic, that's yeah. for sure. But that was one that we that's like the last movie I probably got to see that I but yeah. usually it's a chick flick, like a love story or a kid's movie. And, and Mary Poppins was the last one for us. Yeah, gosh, I don't even remember. Uh, I know. I went to the 3D version of Secret Life of Pets a long time ago. I love that movie. So Nora's not doing movies in theaters very well? We took her to one when she was a really little baby, like infant. And it was the one, I can't even remember it. It was like a real dumb slapstick comedy uh, with the guy from uh, The Hangover, Alan, with the guy with the beard, Zach Galifianakis. Uh, Anyway, I can't remember the name of the movie, but that, that was it. And we don't go to a lot of movies just because it's just so much easier to sit on your couch and watch Netflix and wait a month or two and for it to hit, save, hit save about 50 bucks. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the last one I saw in the movie theater, they showed, um, they showed like a, re- not a remake, but kind of a, a rescreen, if you will, of, uh, uh, well, now I'm drawn to blank. It's Ariel, <laughs> the little mermaid, little mermaid. Yes. Uh, so that was the last one I, I went and saw in person, but I rented the other night. Uh, we rented the Green, Green Book, uh, oh, which won an Academy Award, and that was really, really good. Red Box rental? Uh, it was, it was no, Amazon Prime. Amazon I think. Prime. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and now movies go digital pretty quick. I mean, yeah. like Mary Poppins and, and um, the Queen movie, what's it called? Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Those, you can already get those like on, on demand. I mean, yeah. it felt like those were just in the theaters. I mean, so... If you could wait about a month or two, a couple months, usually you could watch them. But we, yeah, I think we saw the other one I saw before that was Grinch. You didn't see Grinch? The Christmas one? Yeah. Yep, I saw that. With <laughs> Christmas one? The Disney yeah. one. There was like a, well, there's like different ones. I don't know. The new one that just came out. Yeah, the oh. animated one. Yeah. So a lot of kids' movies yeah. for all of us, probably for a long time. Masterminds is the name of the movie with Zach Galifianakis that I saw in theaters. I'm pretty sure that is the last one that came out in 2016. Ooh, I still wow. go to movies. And Robin and I on road trips, we could go like see movies Friday nights, but we'd rather eat steaks and and drink beer. <laughs> hey, bro, you want to go check out a movie? No. <laughs> all right, when we come back, we are going to close with some recruiting. That's next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, I like game, the real true game atmosphere. Uh, for me, from the you know recruiting guys from the South, I'm trying to push those guys to September, you know, October, November, to where they're really getting the real true effect of, uh, of a game and the game experience. Uh, we will have some that we're going to probably try to push for the spring game. Uh, that's up to Coach Frost, but I think he wants to err on more trying to bring guys in during the season. Uh, that's, that seemed to have worked out pretty good for us and we tried to keep that for us, particularly kids in the South, you know, get those guys here so they could see a, a game atmosphere. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus. We're going to talk some recruiting for Nebraska as we're 
just about two weeks away from the red-white spring game. Hard to believe um, it's just flown by uh, to get to this point. And, um, you know, it's going to be different this spring because Nebraska Nate has 13 official visits they can use starting, is it April 1st? April 1st, yeah. So April 1st, and, you know, Sean Becton kind of discussed that with me earlier this week, and you heard his comments there, and they prefer guys to come in during the season. The biggest thing is they've got to find out which guys are early enrollees and which guys want to decide before the start of their senior year. And then you've got to kind of develop a formula of visits of who do we got to bring in on officials in April, May, June, and then who can we bring in and wait till September. And it, it, it's kind of an a ongoing dialogue you have to have with your board and say to, to kind of know when each kid's going to decide. Yeah, it, it all hinges on, on when a kid can come up, first of all, um, how interested they are and, and when they're going to decide. You don't want to – you know, if a kid's going to string it out all the way to December, you know, the early signing period to, to make his decision, you don't want to necessarily – um, you know, get them on campus in April and then have them kind of forget what it's like or, or miss out on an opportunity to, to have those guys in for a home game and really experience that atmosphere. Um, of course, the spring game is, is pretty phenomenal, uh, you know, a sold-out spring game, you know, pretty unique, but uh, it still kind of pales in comparison to a, an actual home game. So uh, if you can get a guy in in the fall or even, you know, later on in the, in the fall, closer to when they're going to make a decision, that would be more beneficial. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus. And as it is every week, a very busy week for Nebraska, Nate, with visitors on campus. And we were in that practice Wednesday, um, and you had, I mean, just a massive group of recruits all coming in from a seven-on-seven team out of Minnesota. Yeah, Tyrone Carter elite training um, group, I guess you could call it. Uh, they had probably 20 to 25 recruits uh, between the 2020 class and and all the way down to I don't know there was some there was some pretty young kids in that group but uh, some some big time headliners uh, you had Caden Johnson who is a Rivals 250 outside linebacker target um, the number one football prospect in the state of Minnesota on campus and they offered him a long time ago uh, and he's made a, a ton of visits around the area but had yet to make it to Lincoln so that was good that he was able to make it in uh, and. And Jalen Suggs is also part of that that program, and um, you know, and he's he's a four star dual threat quarterback, but also a five star basketball recruit. Too bad uh, the new basketball coach yeah. is on campus yet. Yeah, exactly. Kind of could have double dipped there a little bit, and and he's you know he's said that he hasn't quite decided what he's going to do in college if he's going to play football or if he's going to focus more on basketball. But uh, bottom line for him is he could he could pick any number of blue blood programs to play either sport at. So he's in a pretty good uh, position. Now, Nebraska's offered him as a quarterback. They have offered him as but a quarterback. But they really can't take a quarterback for 20 right now, right? No. Um, so, yeah, I don't uh, – it's probably probably a long shot. Uh, or, you Frost know – Frost is helping Hoiberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he may be helping Hoiberg. Or, you know, he's athletic enough that he could probably play another position. He, he could possibly be a wide receiver. I don't know if he's open to that. Uh, or what but I mean he's he's a phenomenal athlete uh, so he could probably project at a number of different positions yeah when you see Nate these teams come in like that I mean I think it to me it's like wow it just lets you know I mean we have talent in this state but nothing like even like a state like Minnesota when you see a collection of their best talent all together I mean it's a good looking group of kids um, and 
you know, just a, the, the way they play seven on seven year round. I mean, some there's just so many other states that are ahead of Nebraska on things like that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's really hard in in Nebraska to to even have anything like that. I mean, uh, all those kids are from the Minneapolis area or the suburbs, and and so and you had what probably twenty five players who are all prospects of of some sort, and you know, in their given year. Um, you know, be able to take a, a tour in the Midwest. You know, they 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 just came from Iowa State, um, and and I think they're going to be stopping at a couple other places. But you just couldn't do that in Nebraska. I mean, you could probably maybe get a group of five to ten guys like that, but um, the just the numbers it's it kind of shows where Nebraska is at and kind of uh, highlights some of the the struggles, I guess you could say, of recruiting. You know, at a place like Nebraska. well, and the multi-sport athletes in the state too. I mean, you you just have so many. You know, guys like Ty Hahn or Gifford or Miko May. I mean, kids are going to run track and, and do a number of other sports where it is a little bit more specialized in some of these bigger markets when you get to big cities like Minneapolis or Dallas or wherever. Um, and, and they can concentrate and train with trainers year round, play seven on seven in the spring months um, and, you know, kind of lead into, you know, the summer camp season and whatnot. And um, so you, you see those kids physically, they're just developed better than kids around here. Yeah. And, and Tyron Carter, you know, and, and his group there, um, you know, he's a former Minnesota Vikings cornerback uh, and, and he's started this deal up and, and he's got it. He's got a pretty good group of kids right now. And, and I'm sure that's something that will only continue to develop, um, you know, in years going forward. What else, Nate? Any other developments this week as far as spring game visitors or recruiting nuggets that we learned um, here heading into the red white game in two weeks? Well, um, of course, you, you also had Moose and Muhammad, who's a rivals 250 wide receiver on campus for two days this week uh, with his father who, who played in the NFL for I think 14 years or so um, you know and, and that so that was a big visit to get him on campus uh, and Nebraska has kind of maintained you know their spot in in his top list of schools even though he's got close to 20 different offers so it was good to get him on campus uh, as far as the spring game goes uh, we are starting to confirm some some of those visitors uh, that list hasn't grown quite as much as what we would expect right now but I, I do think that as we get a little closer and, and kids kind of firm up their travel plans we'll see that list grow uh, maybe the headliner of that group uh, in terms of out-of-state players is Jamar Sakona who's a, a three-star nose tackle out of Northern California uh, he's the nephew of Haloti Nata um, and, and this is a kid that uh, Tony Tuioti was recruiting very, very hard at Cal. And he's got a great relationship with him. Uh, he was one of the first offers that Tuioti made when he got hired here at Nebraska. Um, and he, he told us that he will be in for the spring game. And so that's a big visit. And if you, if you watch his film, I mean, he is, he is dominant. You know, Tuioti has said, I want a dominant alpha dog playing the nose tackle spot on my defensive line. And that's what Jamar Sakona is. He's about 6'2", 6'3", uh, about 310 pounds and just an animal there in the middle of that defensive line. So um, that's one to really watch. And, of course, you've got Nash Hutmacher who's going to be taking his official visit, um, you know, here the, in the next weekend. Is he a nose weekend. or a D-end? He's a nose. Yeah, he's he's not a D-end. I mean, because he's – He's not tall he'll enough play to be, well. well, he is t- – they, they list him at 6'4", I guess. Yeah, but. well, yeah, he's listed actually at 6'5", but I'd say I he's probably closer yeah. to 6'3". Uh, but he's going to play at 300-plus pounds. I mean, he's – um, when he wrestles at 285, I mean, he's he's lean. Yeah, he's a lean 285. He'll have no problem getting 300 plus pounds. And so he's going to be an inside guy. 
Um, and, and so his official visit is a big deal because it's the first trip he's going to be taking. Um, and he also has talked about taking official visits to uh, Wisconsin and possibly Oregon. Uh, but I think Nebraska's in a great spot right now. And a lot of it probably hinges on his relationship with Tuioti uh, because he had a really good relationship with Mike Dawson. Um, of course, he's really close with Ryan Held and Eric Chenander and even Scott Frost talks with Frost quite a bit. But, you know, the, the, that relationship with his position coach is going to be key. So, uh, so that's a, a really pivotal uh, visit, I think, here uh, next weekend. Well, there's going to be lots to follow here, not only in recruiting, but obviously with the basketball coaching search and Nebraska baseball home – or, sorry, on the road this weekend at Minnesota as uh, Husker Line intern crew will keep you up to date on all the action in Minneapolis as well with the Husker baseball team. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.